Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us Kira West. Kira is a content creator, a runner, a writer with a passion for making wellness more inclusive. She's an entrepreneur. She's an activist. And she was featured in the September 2020 cover story for Self Magazine, which I just read, which I highly, highly, highly recommend everybody read after listening to this episode because it was such a great story. Very informative, very important. And Kira, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited. So before we jump into all the things, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are. I think I just turned 28. I feel like I'm in that weird time after 25 where it just blends together and I've had one heck of a year. Mm-hmm. So I'm like 95% positive it's 28. Um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and I just moved to Chicago as of January of this year. So people keep asking me if I'm enjoying it. Ask me in September. Um, I feel like you summarize all the key pieces of who I am in terms of like some of the words I usually use, but I think I'm a big big believer in creating an inclusive wellness space and just championing kind of self-discovery and self-confidence, probably not in the traditional sense, but just in terms of like, you know, being able to comfortably advocate for what feels good for you. I think it's tough um, in a world of trends and comparison. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Wow. In a world of trends and comparison. So true. Yeah. That was so like powerfully put, honestly. Like I, I think that it's something that Julie and I talk about all the time, just in general with being unapologetic in your approach. And that doesn't mean being inconsiderate about other people's feelings and emotions, of course, always respecting and being willing to listen. But, um, you know, having that I guess, bravery to own your truth and own what works for you and choosing what serves you best. It can be really hard when you're constantly comparing yourself to others. I know it's something I personally struggle with a lot. So I'm just so excited to learn more about you and get to connect with you. I just think everything that you do is is going to be so powerful for our audience and just anyone that comes across you. So just to dive in a little bit more into you, what first got you started in creating wellness content for social media? How did you kind of get to where you are today? Yeah, I think it's funny because I really started less in wellness and more within travel, but didn't really see the connection between the two. So I think wellness in, you know, its most simple form is really how you fill up your cup. It's less of like, you know, the stuff that we see always as kind of like what wellness means to the masses, but really just what works for you. And for me, I was working a really stressful job straight out of college and traveling, even if it was for just a couple of days, being able to be somewhere different, experience something different, um, really helped me fill up my cup and truly kind of keep going through that time in my life. So I talked a lot about travel. And I think in the beginning, Instagram as a platform and just blogging in general was a lot simpler. And so it started with me truly just wanting to share things with my audience and a slight irritation with like answering the same questions. Mm. So how do you travel? How do you find flight deals? I'm like, if I put it all in one place, if it's on Instagram where I was guest writing for a blog at the time, then I don't have to answer the same question. I can just send people a link. And I think, you know, innocently, it was also like exciting to be able to share my travels and like take cool pictures and be cool places. And I think that's where it started for me. And then as I was developing my own brand, 
you know, I had to really figure out what way that I took that. And I spent maybe a year kind of really thinking about, do I go deeper into travel? At this time, I was also getting more into my physical fitness. So I started running marathons and doing Spartan races and just challenging myself physically. And that was another way I was filling out my cup. And I think I just came to an impasse where I struggled to figure out which direction to go. So I was kind of just there. And I realized that wellness was a great umbrella term that could describe both. And that truly got to the root of why I was so passionate about fitness and about travel. And it allowed me to do both. I think, you know, one thing that a lot of my friends and family will say about me is I'm very good at finding a way to do something different um, and to kind of create a way, even if one doesn't exist. Um, And so for me, that was kind of just another way that I did that. Um, And it kind of blossomed from there. I think now too with the pandemic, it was so much more important for me to drill into what that looked like um, on a deeper level too, since we couldn't necessarily travel or go out to fitness studios in more of the traditional sense. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think that comes from that way of like just kind of figuring out how to make things happen in your own way? I don't know when it started, um, but I remember in college, there was a vivid time in my college career. I think I was a freshman, maybe a sophomore, but I had a close friend who was studying abroad in London. I really wanted to study abroad. And because of the way that I did my major and structured my classes, it was really complicated. And so I remember calling my parents and I was like, you know, I want to send thousands of dollars we don't have on this abroad program. It was like summer writing in Rome and my stepmom, unfortunately, yeah. My stepmom, unfortunately, went to Cornell, so was, like, very aware that I could take creative writing in Ithaca, Um, and so, you know, my parents really nicely told me that, like, they didn't have money to fund that, slash, like, it wasn't necessarily a valuable use of of resources at the time, and they were like, we know you don't have money for that, so if you can find a creative way of, like, you know, traveling or making that happen, like, we totally support you, and I think it was a tough love moment that I really needed, So I think the stubborn, indignant, you know, person in me was like, okay, fine, then like, I'll find a way. And so I ended up doing a lot of projects abroad and like kind of figuring out that with enough grit and determination and like patience, you could kind of make a way and it might not look like you would think it would look. So I never got to study abroad, but I'm so grateful to have been able to take multiple trips abroad to do different projects, work on different teams. And I almost think, you know, for me, that was just so much more valuable. So yeah, I would say that that's like a vivid memory of when I realized like, okay, I'm going to be the person to do something that hasn't necessarily been done. But I also created my own major. And I think in general have kind of just like gotten interested in things that maybe don't have the easiest pathway forward. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I also love what you said about filling your cup. I feel like that's like a theme that has been forcing itself into my life lately. You know, there's like these certain things that'll like start to come up and then you start seeing them like all over the place. So that's definitely a a theme that has been trying to make itself known to me of like, okay, you need to like fill your cup. And going back to kind of more of like what you do with wellness and and your community and whatnot, we absolutely believe that wellness should be for everybody and that everybody should have the opportunity to fill their cup in whatever way that is for them. And representation is so important. What would you say to a, a young woman that maybe feels like she's not deserving of being part of the wellness community or that she doesn't she can't make the time to fill her cup or whatever it may be because she doesn't see people that look like her, you know, representing that. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's tough. And I feel like I've been talking to people who are my age and older who still feel like they don't belong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's great that they're talking to me about it because I'm in a place to offer some counsel conversation recommendation. Um, But I think for young people, when you're first starting out, you have such an incredible opportunity to get ahead of these things. So I think in terms of what I would share, I mean, honestly, it's tough. I feel like you know, I practiced a lot of skills and got to the point where I just had a thick skin because I do work in corporate and I worked in a luxury hotel environment. So you're just very used to like stressful situations, kind of putting your head down and not taking things personally. Um, I think when I first started as a content creator, especially within fitness and wellness, I felt a pressure to constantly show up. So I would wake up at five, 6 a.m. I'd work out for my own mental clarity. I'd go to work full time because we were in the office and that was the norm. And then I'd go to one or two events at night because I wanted to make sure that I was seen. Um, And now I'm at the point where, you know, I kind of realized that that's also not helpful and sustainable for me. And, you know, I was opening doors along the way, trying to invite other people. But I think, you know, a lot of it comes with like taking the first step is the hardest part. And I think, you know, if you can grab a friend, that's always helpful. I mean, it's nice to be able to at least be in it with someone else. But I think what I learned um, while I was taking some really tough fitness classes, you know, in the beginning of my workout journey is like everyone struggles in some way or another whether you you know might look like everyone else I think everyone's fitness level really does vary and people are so concerned with their self like themselves and their own performance that a lot of times people are paying no one's looking at you (laughs) yeah people are paying way less attention to you than you think they are and a lot of it like especially for me as someone who's thoughtful is really stuff that's you know within your own mind and so the more that you can distance yourself from that the easier it will be but I think too like you know, you don't have to go from zero to a hundred. So even if it's just taking a long walk or like, you know, doing something with your family or your significant other, I think that's a great way of starting. And I feel like that can be a really powerful way of starting a trend, um, you know, within your life as well. Yeah. I love that. I do. It's, it's really, oh, there's so many things you just said that really stood out to me. All right. Where to start. I think in, in general about like everybody starting somewhere when it comes to anything, but especially fitness, I think, uh, I have a friend of mine that, recently was talking to me about her own fitness journey. And she was saying, you know, it's so easy for you. And I looked at her with, you know, with a lot of kindness. And I was like, it wasn't always easy for me though. Like I also started somewhere and I'm like, you knew me when it wasn't easy for me. Um, But it's, it's just like you said, taking that first step. And sometimes you don't even know where things are going to go. Like right now I have fitness goals in general, but I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that's going to lead to, but I'm excited by the process and what, whatever that ends up looking like and excited by the, you know, systems and stuff that I'm creating along the way. But something that I said to her, it was her first time going like into a gym setting. And of course, everything is different for everyone, but I kept telling her to repeat to herself, you belong here, you belong here. Because I think so often we can have this narrative in our heads that like we don't belong because we look different and whatever capacity looking different might mean. And just to really instill in yourself that no matter where you are in a fitness journey, no matter what you look like, no matter all these different things that like you belong. And I know it could be so hard to feel that way for so many different reasons, but um, yeah, it's one that she keeps on coming back to. And it helped me when I first started going too. And something that I wanted to ask you about was you said something about not taking things personally. Can you elaborate on that? Because I have, I take everything personally to some degree. And I don't even mean like, I think people are attacking me. I just think it has to do with like being an empathetic person. I don't know. And not ever wanting to offend anyone or something like that. But how do you like, how do you explore that? How do you not take things personally all the time? Yeah. Here comes my dog. I don't know if I'm good at it to be fair. I'm quite thoughtful. So, 
you know, sometimes I tend to overthink things or like hyper analyze, you know, a decision that was made. And it's tough because you definitely, you know, can only go as far as like your mind allows. I think what I've tried to do is really just like separate from that and think a lot about, you know, kind of what I do bring to the table in a positive sense and try to get less caught up on like the deficits and the challenges and the things I want to improve on to that degree. I think it's tough, you know, to take things, to not take things personally, but I'm a huge believer in feedback. And I think it's a great way of just being better. And I think, you know, within my career, I've been asked what I think is like good feedback and bad feedback. And I think if someone thought it at some point, it's relevant for you to kind of digest often with a grain of salt, but it's just a different perspective. And so I think that kind of helped me just separate, like it's someone's opinion in that moment based on their circumstance. And I think a lot of times too, when you have someone who is lashing out or just being a little aggressive, sometimes it can be an indication of like, something going on in their life. And I feel like for me, I've also learned uh, this year more than any that like people are fighting battles that they just may not share. Mm. And so I kind of operate with the benefit of the doubt a lot more than I, I used to even. Yeah, I think it's a great way to be and, and even to protect ourselves. Like my, my Nana, like my great grandma had this thing that she would always say, like if any, if someone was ever like being mean to someone or inappropriate, she would always tell, and we would get upset about it. She would always tell us, she'd be like, you just have to think like, there must be something really sad happening in their life that they had to like treat someone that way. And I always try to like, remember that and be, you know, not always forgiving, but empathetic to that, that people, you know, everyone is fighting their own battles at some point. Yeah. I think it's tough though, too, because, you know, it's hard when you're digesting challenging things. So I think I definitely don't ignore, you know, like my feelings on them. And I think, you know, if someone is doing that consistently or, you know, it's something that just really is not appropriate, I definitely address it. But I think at the same time, I also try to like move on to the degree that I can. Um, and just really understand too that again, like people have so much going on in their lives. There are so many layers. Um, and sometimes people aren't doing the work to really work through that. And that's kind of how they are forced to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think Brenda and I have learned so much through this show, just like so much about doing the work and the self-work and like how much work that actually takes. If I can use that word anymore in a sentence, but like it really, you have to be so intentional about bettering yourself for yourself for your community for the world like you have to be so intentional about that and the truth is that a lot of people don't want to do that and unfortunately it's one of those things that like only you can decide for your like you can't force that on someone else like they have to want to decide to do the work as well yeah. I feel like we should eventually do a whole episode on like, what does doing the work mean? Or like, how, where do you I know because we say that a lot. We say the phrase doing the work. And I feel like maybe a couple of years ago, I would have been like, okay, girls, but like, what does that mean? What does that entail? Because we allude to it. And of course we talk about certain things that are encompassed in doing the work for us um, or questions we ask ourselves and whatnot. But um, yeah, I guess everyone's definition of it is probably different too. Um, but it is so, it's so crazy, honestly, because it's like every time that you think, at least for for me, I don't want to speak for everyone, but every time that I think I've like conquered like a certain negative thought or something and they've shifted over time, they always evolve, but I'm like, dang, like there is still work left to do. Mm -hmm. There's always (laughs) work to do. Yeah, 
Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to really, I think sometimes when you are incredibly self-aware and do do this work, sometimes that level of self-awareness can cause you extra, like, I guess, pain, just because you're so self-aware, you're like, I don't want to be thinking this. What the, what the dang heck? (laughs) So um, yeah, it's, it's a journey of course, but it's been, it's been pretty cool, but back to you. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your other company that you're the co-founder of, which combines anti-racism and wellness. So can you tell us about this incredible initiative, anything that the people need to know um, and how they can get involved? Important work. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about work. A perfect segue as we talk about doing the work. I think, you know, to your point, doing the work means something different from everyone for everyone. Um, And there are so many different perspectives with which you can look at that. I think just like fitness, taking the first step sometimes is the hardest part. So wherever you're at in your journey, whether that's self-work, whether it has to do with anti-racism, whether it's fitness, like just take the first step, even if it's small and kind of keep walking down that path. Even if you're crawling, you're still moving forward. Um, in terms of activism, it's it's a really exciting business company um, and initiative that Taylor Rail Monte and I co-founded last year. It really was born out of, you know, us coming together through the pandemic and then, you know, in the wake of George Floyd's death um, and really just having some hard discussions together and feeling frustrated by the resources and programs that were out there. Um, And I think I texted Taylor. She probably remembers this anecdote better than me, but I was like, I want to do some sort of like anti-racism wellness challenge. And I had no detail, no clue what that would look like. No systems built out. And we got on an hour and a half Zoom call and built out a program and we're launching it like the next week. And I think you know, it's, it's an incredible testament to our partnership, to her as a human being, and just to our commitment to showing up. Um, but it really, for us, was just combining the things that we had lack or we saw were lacking, um, and then what drives us and how we fill up our cups and how we were processing. So through that whole time, we were both, you know, looking to movement for me. It was sanity miles and just working out in general in different ways. You know, for her, it was rumble boxing and and leveraging that with anti-racism too. Um, And so we were able to really fuse those together. And so our programs are shifting and changing as the world is, to be honest. Um, But we've done longer scale programs where we take people through a two or a four week iteration of, you know, what activism is. And we look at different topics. We have, you know, kind of closed group discussions. We also, you know, are working on some more self-serve resources that will be coming down the pipeline over the next few months. But I think we're also taking this time to reflect. We've been in go, go, go mode, trying to really serve our communities to give back. We've given quite a lot onto Avenues for Justice, which is an incredible um, nonprofit that is in New York which offers alternative to incarceration programs um, for a lot of our students. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, now we're really looking at how do we continue to sustain this? How do we keep people engaged? Because it is tough as the world is opening, as things are changing and just as attention is split in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, it's been beautiful to see how pairing different forms of movement with different, you know, specially selected resources can really help. And our big thing is that, you know, if you just make one change per day and you do something small and you're committed to that, then over time, you can really make broad stroke changes. And for the both of us, we were really, really adamant about selecting resources carefully that were vetted and, you know, that were a bit more easily digestible than like, okay, read and digest this book on anti-racism on your own. And so, yeah, it's been incredible. I feel like we've both learned throughout the process and, and we're still on our journey too in terms of how we advocate and, and discuss anti-racism. Oh, it's so important. And thank you for coming here to share it with us. 
you know, I can, it can, I don't feel like it could ever be shared enough. It's so, it's so deep and important. And I, it's interesting because to me, I, th- going back to talking about like the doing the work, you mentioned like pairing movement and fitness or wellness, whatever you want to put in that category with activism. And to me, like that makes a lot of sense in my head. Cause I'm like, yeah, like if you're doing the work on yourself, you're able to like show up and do the work for your community or uh, communities outside of yourself that you want to engage with. But could you elaborate that on that a little more? Like how, how do you view the connection between movement, fitness and activism? Of course. I think that, you know, one way of viewing it is kind of what you just described in terms of different ways of doing the work and kind of holding yourself accountable. Um, But I think also we kind of really think about it in more of a literal sense. So for me, when I'm focused on, you know, what I'm engaging in mentally, and I'm able to push myself physically as well, or just use that movement to kind of get out my frustration or process some of these really tough topics, I found that to be super helpful. So for activism, we'll have a workout that's paired with a resource. So we might have a run, for example, paired with a podcast. And for me, I think it's just an incredible way of being fully in that moment. So when I'm running, I honestly find it a bit meditative, right? Because I have to focus on where I'm going. I have to focus on my breathing. Um, And at the same time, I'm able to really take in this information because that's my sole focus is those few things. And I think moving up my body, and Taylor will probably agree with this as well, um, really does help me to manage these challenging thoughts. I think when you're doing self-work or you're, you're, you know, learning more about what racism racism might look like um, in a different way from what you might have experienced or been aware of. It's it's challenging. It's really tough. And then it's hard to internalize, to reflect on how you might play a part in that. And then to be able to have these conversations with others, whether it be one-on-one or in a group. Um, And so both of us have found that movement helps to kind of like with the processing of it um, and then the filling up of your cup as well so that you can do those things. Oh, I love that. I just love that. Um, Not only are you working on that, but you also have your incredibly beautiful jewelry company. Also, I am very distracted by your ring. I keep looking at it. It is stunning. Um, Kira just got engaged, everybody, and her ring is gorgeous. Uh, But anyway, you you have your own incredible jewelry company. And one of the things that I find so, not only is are the pieces amazing, but you work with organizations and make donations when there's a purchase. So can you tell us a little bit about how you started your company and um, how do you decide what organizations that you work with when you're designing specific collections? Yeah, I think to back up a little bit, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, but I think, you know, just the stable, like the the lover of stability in me has always also valued a full-time corporate experience. And I think in this day and age, it's perfectly possible to do both. You actually learn so much that's transferable between the two um, that I'll probably be talking more about um, in the coming months as well, because I've found that there's a lot of questions around it. But Um, I say all that to say, uh, I thought I wanted to work in NGOs and nonprofits when I was in high school, and then realized that there's a lot of other impactful ways I can give back. And working within that space might not be my unique calling, but that is something that I really wanted to do. So I think as I thought about owning a business and starting a business, the impact was really important to me, and that's how I define success. So it was easy to, you know, kind of figure out that I wanted to somehow make an impact with every purchase or every collection. And I think uh, I've always been passionate about smaller scale NGOs and and nonprofits that might be doing great work, but maybe just don't have the notoriety of our Red Cross, for example. 
So I've challenged myself to really look for great smaller organizations that make sense for each collection, but that really are doing the work right in their local communities and that, you know, can also benefit from my channels and, you know, kind of the promotion to around what they're doing so that others are aware um, and can donate and support as well. So I think that's kind of how it started in terms of the business itself, you know, also from a need, like I never really wore jewelry because I felt like it didn't necessarily make sense of working out and like all the moves that I make. Um, so I don't take my world necklace off. And um, I tend to usually have in stuff earrings. Today is a special occasion, um, but I want a jewelry that I could truly live in that was inspired by travel, which I love, but that could withstand movement. And so, yeah, I just created kind of what I was seeking and there's so much more to come. I feel like this year has been a lot of like planning and foundation after just kind of running last year. Um, but we have some really, really exciting drops coming for the rest of the year and some stuff that we haven't yet talked about that isn't jewelry. So it's really Woo! exciting. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. So I really exciting. love that you were able to find a way to like put your passion in some in other things that still represent the stuff that's important to you. Because I really think that especially in your 20s, like after schooling and stuff, if people do choose to go to school, there's so much pressure and like this idea that there's this one path and it's so beautiful that you were able to recognize your passion for working with things like NGOs and stuff like that and then be like you know what but I kind of noticed this about my character and therefore like I'm going to encompass all these things together and I just I really love that and I think it gives people hope that might feel a little bit stuck in whatever season of their life they're in that like there are different paths you just have to be patient enough and actually put the time aside to figure out how you can get there and still find different things that are super fulfilling for you and check off your boxes. They just might look different than you originally thought. So I really love that. Um, and what would you say were like the biggest challenges when starting your business? I think that of course we're gonna come against come up against challenge in our lifetime in any area, but I think that's a big hesitation for people as to why they um, are afraid to start. So what advice would you have? What were the biggest challenges? And then what advice would you have for someone that wants to start their own business, but isn't really sure where to start? Yeah, I think there are so many challenges, especially starting during a global pandemic. I mean, none of us were prepared for what that would look like, how long it would last. I mean, I remember March of last year, I was like, oh, this thing will last two weeks. I'll go back into the office. And now we're living in a whole different world. So I think with that, you know, there were so many things that I came up against that I wasn't prepared for. And as someone who is a recovering perfectionist, um, as I'd like to say, it was, it was really challenging. So I would say, you know, first don't get discouraged. It's going to be difficult. Everything is going to be new and that's a part of it. Um, but continue going and, and don't be afraid to pivot and get feedback because, you know, you might have a great idea, but it might morph into something even better in that way. Um, in terms of the biggest challenges, I think, you know, one was logistics. So making jewelry is incredibly difficult, especially when you have very high standards for quality and you want to test and see everything. Working with geographical continents is difficult because you have to consistently make sure um, that what you're doing is accurate. Um, so I would say there are definitely some nuances with the pieces I'm creating that are harder than they look. Um, 
so I think there's that piece of it. The second piece is like, you know, there are so many systems that come with running a business that it can just be really challenging to maintain them all at once. So we have social media accounts, we have, you know, an email and a Shopify account that actually works with like the selling of things. And there's the entire back end of how pieces get created, how things get fulfilled. Um, and I'm so thankful to have an incredible woman on my team who's helping me to kind of grow and, and create an incredible foundation. But for a while, it was just me. And so managing those things is definitely challenging, especially when you have such high expectations for your business and, and the, the things that you want to share with the world. And I would say the third thing is really just this idea of perfection. So I had to let go of the fact that, you know, I wanted things to be done in a very particular, certain high quality way. And yes, you know, there are things that I did not flex on. So like the quality of the jewelry was one thing that had to be right. But at the same time, like, you know, I just went through a rebrand and had I waited, you know, until now to launch just because my logo wasn't quite right or I didn't have things, you know, in, in the way that I wanted, I would have missed the boat on so many things. And so I think just know that things can change. And um, yeah, I think just start is the, is the best thing I can, can say. I think that do the research, you know, make sure you understand your idea and the marketplace and all of that stuff, but don't be the reason why you don't start. You know, there are definitely businesses that have more nuances and challenges than others, um, but there's room for everyone at the table and, and everyone has their own unique spin. So I would say, don't be afraid of that either. Yeah, Brenda and I are very big fans of the launch fast, adjust later mindset. Uh, we would not have this show if we waited for it to be perfect before putting it out. We just had to do it. And um, I love when people affirm that belief because especially with, with what you're making, like I look at it and to me, it's perfect. I'm like, it's beautiful. You can tell it's high quality. It's nuanced. It's it's uh, contributing to organizations like and we're all our own worst critic and we can all we can hold ourselves back so easily and sometimes you just have to take the leap but you you do so much like you have so much on your plate like I it's amazing to me how much you do and in in connection to the talking about filling your cup like do you ever one do you ever like feel like you experience burnout at all and two like how do you fill your cup for you with, and I'm sure these things all do contribute to your cup, but at times it could also be exhausting or overwhelming. So like, how do you feel like you fill your cup for yourself while balancing all the things that you've put on your plate? It is definitely a lot. And I think that, you know, I try not to use the word busy necessarily or hold anyone else to the standard that I live my life by because we're all different. And I like a lot of the things that I'm doing. I love them, in fact. And so it doesn't always feel like work, but there are logistics with everything and there's admin work with everything. Um, and that's just a part of adulting. I think I'm still trying to figure out how I fill up my cup. My life has changed drastically in the past year. Yeah. And I'm super thankful that I now live with my, I was going to say partner, but fiance full time. Our dog is here as well. Um, and, you know, I'm so thankful for him. He's been an incredible partner. Um, there are some days where I am, you know, not smiling. I'm not in a good mood. And like, it's honestly pretty rough. Yeah. And, you know, he has a great way of like, 
maintaining calm and like kind of working toward a solution. He works in human resources, so I feel like he <laughs> Oh, he's primed for this. He's got to figure it yeah. out. <laughs> but I'm still working on taking breaks. I think the biggest thing that someone told me as I was asking, you know, a woman who was really high up at my full-time company who also had a family, like, how do you do it? And a lot of it is getting help. So I started to lean into, you know, one of the perks of working full-time and doing other things is that I can save and budget differently. And if I want things to grow and not just stay steady state, I have to invest. And so I'm a big believer in looking at return on investment, holding people accountable, but also investing in experts. And I think that's been one of the biggest game changers for me is like, there are certain places where I have to show up and only I can do what I do. Um, But there are other places where, you know, whether it be like, having someone drop off groceries, right? Because I've ordered them online or like having someone deep clean the apartment, like that's three hours I can spend doing something I'm uniquely positioned to do or my fiance and I can spend time together versus one of us, you know, spending time doing that. And so I started to think critically about what those things are. Um, And I have been converted to waking up really early and also trying to take advantage of like the day more fully so that I can do things at a relaxed pace. Um, So my morning is really my time where I fill up my cup and I need to not refurbish. I don't know if that's the right word, but I need to refine my evening and morning routines um, because it's been a crazy quarter Um, and it's time. But I think the mornings are really the time where I focus on filling up for the day. Um, And I'm working on taking like one full day off everything during the week um, versus kind of taking bits and pieces off here and there. Uh, And my workouts, of course, are a big way that I fill up my cup. uh, And those tend to take place in the morning too. Love it. Love that. Um, It's, we're big on like routine and filling our cups and all that stuff. So everything you mentioned is important. Um, But I do think that a lot of people, especially with like the hustle culture that we have, and just for people who genuinely, like, clearly you have so much care, genuine care about the things that you're involved in. And when your passion is so closely tied to some of the ways that might bring in income and um, all that stuff, it can be really tricky to disconnect. Um, But I really, I love that you're being honest with yourself and intentional about taking those, those moments. Cause I think it's really like, me and Julia say to each other all the time, we're like, if we're going to make the choice to disconnect, we need to disconnect and enjoy it. We can't disconnect and then feel guilty about then it. Beat yourself up about it, which is what I tend to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very guilty of that. Yeah. And I will say like, it's not always seamless for me. So there are days where I'm like, I'm kind of having a complete meltdown and I'm realizing that, okay, it's because I didn't take a break. And I think that's just a trigger for me to remember that I need to set up better systems or like I really need to make change. Um, And I think that, you know, I'm thankful that I'm able to kind of get out of those moments or pivot or have support, um, you know, and kind of moving through that, but it's tough and I don't always get it right. So I'm still kind of on a journey trying to figure out what that looks like too, as the world changes, as life changes. um, And as, you know, I still grow and develop as a human being. Yeah. Definitely. And how do you like on moments when you, where you do feel off or feel in a funk or maybe a day where you feel like you're having a meltdown, like how do you get out of those quicker? Like, I think we have such a tendency to judge ourselves for even having those moments um, and feeling like we should be happier or like should be more grateful or like all those things and, and everything in between. How do you navigate that? 
Uh, so my answer has drastically changed. Um, I will say Q2 of 2021 has probably been the hardest time in my life ever. Um, I went through the lowest time I've ever been through and probably like the most exciting time in my life within a span of two months. So the answer now is coming from a place of dealing with intensive grief of a close family member and then getting engaged all within two months. So I think, you know, for me, I learned uh, that with grief, you know, I was even reflecting on it today. Like, I'm not going to be the same that I was before. I'm going to be different. And so I have to stop expecting myself to be an old version. And I think that's a very, very intense example. But there are times in our life where we, we face things that change us and not holding on to what we once were is important. And just understanding that we're going to be moving through things and, and we're going to be different, I think is important. And so now, you know, I try not to dwell because I understand that, you know, I need to hold myself to different standards and like, that's okay. Um, you know, if you, if you're having a baby, if like, you know, you just have major life changes, these are things that are supposed to change your life and that's fine. Um, I think in terms of, you know, feelings, Taylor's mom actually gives great advice. Um, if you need mom to advice. It out, <laughs> she's great. It, it's her birthday Disney, actually. If you need to cry it out, you know, cry it out. Like I try and feel my feels. I try really hard to communicate with my partner. It's so hard for him to help me if he doesn't know what's happening or, you know, I will take space and time to digest it. So I had a really rough few days. Um, this was actually pre-April, but I just went on a walk without my phone with Joey and was like, there's he's a large dog. Nothing's going to happen. It's the middle of the day, but like, I need a break from everything. And for me, it was like an incredible way of like, okay, now I can at least communicate with him what's going on. And then we can figure out a game plan. Yeah. I'm pretty action oriented though. So a lot of times I'm like, okay, I've cried about it. I've been frustrated about it. Like, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. um, but I always had before April, this fear of like, well, what happens if I stop? Like, you know, will everything stop with me? And I all of a sudden did not work for a month. I did not post for a month. I did not work out. I didn't wake up early. I didn't really sleep. I ate all sorts of things. Um, and like, I'm fine, yeah. you know, and I was able to come back and it was very, very challenging to get back in the swing of things too. But like, that's a part of it. Um, and I think, you know, nothing broke really everything was fine. I'm so thankful that I have support. Um, and I think it was just a reminder of why that's necessary, but also that like I can take breaks. Um, and so now I try to prioritize and just like at the end of the night, let go and then wake up in the morning and kind of start again. But I have some plans for a refresh soon um, and some other exciting ways that I'm going to kind of like refocus as well. So yeah, more to come. Definitely. We're so excited to hear everything about it and can't imagine the whirlwind of everything that you experienced. And um, it's just, I think so many people share that fear of like, if I stop, will everything stop? <laughs> or does that fall apart? It, everything I've worked towards built yeah. so far. Yeah, absolutely. Or like, does stopping in itself equal failure? Because you know, there are these sayings of like, you can't fail as long as you don't stop. And of course, there's a deeper meaning to that. Um, in the grand scheme of life of never giving up in general. But it's hard to not put those like thoughts and pressures onto yourself for sure. So you are so incredible. Seriously, like just everything about your journey is so inspiring. And I think that it's probably really powerful for you to see that like your biggest fear to an extent, um, or one of your biggest fears came true, right? You chose to stop and like, you're okay. Like you're figuring it out. Um, so I feel like that's super cool. Yeah. Especially um, like kind of tying it back to the first thing that you said here at the very beginning of the show of like the comparison 
the comparison. Like, I think that to me has been so difficult. It's like, well, if I like stopped or if I like took a break or if I like gave myself some grace, like that other person's not stopping or like that other person's doing this. And it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole of that comparison trap because it's in our faces all the time, every day on social media. And, but like, sometimes you really do have to like give yourself grace and like, it doesn't, it it doesn't mean you're going to stop forever. Yeah. I think unfortunately for me, you know, I wasn't really given a choice. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have stopped. Um, but it was something more important and all of a sudden, like, it just didn't really matter for a while. Mm -hmm. And I'm still kind of working through like, what does my life look like now? Because when you go through a life-changing loss and you're working through that, like I have no blueprint, um, and it's not like, it's never going to be over, but I think I did understand going into it. Like I'm going to have to deal with this forever. So like, you can't push it off. And I'm thankful for therapy and, and all that too to have professional help, um, to have had that before this. But I think, you know, I do sometimes fall into the comparison trap. I think everyone does, especially as someone who's a high achiever, but I really try and focus on the fact like my circumstance is different. And like, there's so many people in the world that have no idea what I went through or what that month looked like for me. And, you know, they're probably looking at me in the same way. And, and so I have to know now too, that there's so much about others' lives. I just don't know. I think another thing about creating content and you know, being out on social media is that you also open up your life for a lot of criticism. So it's like being a celebrity on just a totally different level and you're behind a screen. So I feel like people are so much more willing and ready to say things that they might not if, if you were in person. And I think it can be really tough. So I've also had to learn how to distance myself from that. Everyone has opinions, but that's a lot of why I don't really share the details of my relationship on social media. And we were talking about this last night too. It's just that like, that's not something that I need validation on. Mm. It's not something that I want to compare or, you know, open conversation about. And it's positive or negative. I think, you know, everyone has been so sweet and amazing about my engagement, but that's really it. You know, like there's not going to be more on my fiance, but he's here. We live together. I see him every day and, and it doesn't make my relationship any less great or any less real just because I don't necessarily share it. And I think for me, it's been just a lesson in kind of like, holding things back, um, and, and, you know, being able to have that power as well. Yeah. That's incredible. And I, I resonate with that so deeply because I feel like there's almost this, like this narrative that like, if you're not sharing it on social media, then like, is it real? And I feel that too, about my boyfriend, we've been dating for 10, almost 10 years now. Let's, I won't get ahead of myself. And I don't always like post every little tiny thing about our relationship, even if things are really good. And sometimes I'm like, I wonder if people think I like don't love him the way that I do. And I'm like, you know what? Like, what am I thinking? Like, it's not their business. Um, And you don't have to share every little thing. So yeah, anyway, that resonated with me because it's actually thoughts that go through my head a lot. Um, And you do so much on social media. But um, to respect your time, because we're obviously coming up on the end of our time together, just about the routines thing that you mentioned, um, that you're kind of restructuring your routines now or you're going to, do you mind sharing with us like any of the routines that serve you now? in this season? Of course. So my morning routine has been big. Uh, While COVID was happening, I moved in with my boyfriend at the time, now fiance. And I'm still trying to understand how it happened because he was in Hartford, Connecticut for work at the time. And I lived in New York, but we're supposed to go on vacation. So I guess I just went to Hartford and never left. I had one of my bags. 
Yeah, but I think a part of it too is like the naivety of like, I didn't know how long this was going to last. And then it was just like lasting and lasting. And then my lease was up. And then I was like, well, I don't know what's next. So I'll stay and he happened to get an opportunity that brought us out here. Um, but with all that being said, like my days changed. We were at home. I started cooking a lot more. It's actually pretty fun when there's someone else to help you eat it. Um, like, you know, I started walking our dog in the morning and he would do it at night. And so like we kind of fell into these patterns. We were together all day long and I love him. He's so wonderful. Um, but I also am an introvert and like, you know, I needed time for myself. So Alyssa, um, Alyssa JF on Instagram had a morning routine challenge in the beginning of this year. And I actually started, I committed to it the week we were moving. And at the time I was on Eastern Standard, now I'm on Central, but I was like, I'm just going to try waking up at seven. Like I'd always wake up, rush to walk the dog and then be like harried as I was getting ready to work. And it would take me so long to work on content projects and things like that in the evening because I was mentally fatigued from doing, you know, a role where I'm interacting with clients all day. So I flipped the script and um, it made a huge difference. Once we got our space settled too, you know, I'm so thankful to be here that it's just a, a wonderful time to kind of soak it in. I love coffee in the morning. So much to my fiance's dismay, I really leaned into that and like, it's my thing, you know, I don't necessarily buy it out that often, but like I've got all the bells and whistles, like, you know, I, I take my time with it. So I would say that's a big one. I think what I sometimes forget is my own power and discipline. So I'm working on a sanity miles twist of the 448 challenge that I'll hopefully do within the next couple of weeks, just as a kind of like reset for myself um, and a, as, a, as a challenge too, but I'm working on cultivating my evening routine um, so that I can have that kind of blend into the mornings a little bit better but yeah the morning has been crucial as like solo time and even our dog knows like I'm not waking I'm not gonna walk him when I first wake up it's like that's kind of my time so he chills in the morning oh, too yeah my I've trained my dog that she doesn't um until I say good morning she knows we're not going anywhere like she'll look at me and I'll look at her and I'm like not not yet like I didn't say the magic word yet we're not moving here right at this minute and she knows she like won't bother me until I say good morning even if I'm awake <laughs> it's hilarious they're so they're so they're smarter than we give them credit for but um I have also found so much peace in giving myself and I know Brenda has as well Brenda has a Brenda is a morning person I am not a morning person but we both um have found so much peace and like foundation in really having time that time in the morning before you're being reactive to everyone else that that time is for you and to like set it up and and I love the idea of a more structured nighttime routine as well I want to incorporate that too yeah I think I would have never considered myself as a morning person and it's crazy because now I feel like I am one but like that's the time that's for me so I get really excited about it and I think the nighttime routine just kind of allows you to wind down to wake up at five um, which is when I wake up here um, but yeah I feel like we're kind of all on the same page there. Yeah absolutely. Uh, Kira this has been so fun and I, we're so grateful for you to come and share your time and your wisdom and your energy with us and we just have two little questions before we let you go has there been any resource in your life that has helped you through your 20s thus far it could be a book a person a podcast it could be anything so I'm looking at my 
dad actually has been the resource that has helped me throughout my 20s. He um, is so great at sharing his life experience in such an incredible way. And he's like an incredible career coach. I should be paying him, but I pay him in love and that's been working so far. <laughs> that's um, priceless. Yeah, I keep saying that. If I had to pick one thing, I did pick up 101 essays that will change the way you think. Um, Ali Bonner recommended it some months ago and now I've been like buying it for everyone because I'm obsessed with it. Taylor reads it in the morning, but I struggle with big, like big ticket items. So whether it be a long YouTube video, like a long movie, a long podcast in the morning, especially. So this has been great. Um, the essays are like one to three pages long and I found that they actually change the way you think. Um, so I love those. And I would say that's a newer resource that's been really helpful just in helping me like articulate or put thought to really important thing. Wow. Ooh, I really love that. We love a recommendation, but especially because I agree with that. Um, it's funny that Julia defines me as a morning person. Cause I'm still trying to define myself as one. When we were younger, we've been friends for 15 years. We would literally like, I would sleep until 1 PM, like without, without fail. It was just who I was. So it's really, it's like still like shake shakes me when people say that, even though I guess it is true now, or um, <laughs> 30 in the morning and does like a million things. I still don't believe it though. Um, but anyway, I, I also struggle with like a longer read in the morning. Like I know people set these goals of like 10 to 20 pages every single day. And I'm like, my attention span just is not there. <laughs> so right now, uh, the daily stoic is something both Julie and I incorporate, but I, especially something that changes the way I think I'm in. So thank you. <laughs> yes, Amazon card. <laughs> yes. Add to cart. Um, and our last question, because this has been just so special is where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? If they want to learn more about you or any of the incredible companies that you own? Of course. So my Instagram, which is my most active social channel is at by K West. I'm on Pinterest too, saving and sharing a lot of my blog content and just unique stuff too, as it comes to wedding planning, um, which I know a lot of people are interested in, especially because I come from an events background. And then um, my website is by It just relaunched in June. So lots of new features. You can search impactful businesses, mission-driven businesses. And yeah, those are all the places where you can find me. Amazing, Kira. Thank you again so, so much for your time, your energy, for sharing everything you have with us. This has been so wonderful and impactful and we were, we're so glad to connect with you. Of course. Yay, thank you so much. And everyone, check out Kira, see what she's doing. She has amazing, amazing things going on. And goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring 20s Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.